Welcome to Healing with the Masters. We are so delighted that you've chosen to hang out with us for this series of speakers, inspirational wisdom, powerful affirmations, invocations, activations, prayer, and healing. Healing with the Masters represents transformation to ignite your light and to show you a framework of possibility for moving into a new way of being in your life, modeling that for others in your life, and changing the whole planet. Enjoy this powerful series. Now, if you're interested in joining us live, then just go to hwtmpodcast.com. That stands for Healing with the Masters, hwtmpodcast.com. Register there for the current season. And did I mention? It's free. Join us absolutely free. You just have to register. But for now, enjoy these shows because they created the most amount of transformation. They created the most amount of buzz, insights, and miracles of possibility. These are just as powerful as the day they were recorded. The vibration and energies are still present and available for you. And if you're listening to them, it's because you're ready right now. Know that you helped to create this content. Your desires and intentions have brought this very broadcast here before you. So listen, engage, and enjoy. And again, if you'd like to join us in our live season, remember to go to hwtmpodcast.com. You just have to register. Join us, experience the light absolutely free. Now enjoy this show. Welcome everyone to Healing with the Masters. And we are here in Volume 13 to a very powerful season. You know, this 2014 set of seasons is unique in that it's our second year of the Aquarian Age. And this is a year of, let's get her done. <laughs> this is our sole group opportunity to commit to our journeys, engage in our lives, and in the process and together, make a difference on this planet. We are delighted that you chose to hang out with us this season. And I want to remind you that you are beckoning forth all of the content on this and every show of this healing of this healing with the master season your intentions have brought forth this very moment so everything is here for you that's what's so powerful about our healing with the masters community you create the content through your intentions now you may think that the masters are the remarkable speakers that are that we bring on each week but we know that you are actually the master you are seeking all of the answers are within you. And the master teachers you're hearing on this series and this show are giving you nudges and hints as to who you truly are, that bright, sparkling being of light and love that you are. And I'm so glad we've come together in this beautiful community and together are making a difference and so grateful you're joining us. So today I am so excited to welcome a very, very special guest, Dr. Fabrizio Mancini, Dr. Fab for short. Dr. Fab is a self-healing expert, an internationally acclaimed educator, philanthropist, bilingual speaker, and the president emeritus, that's the word, 
<laughs> President Emeritus of Parker University. He is the author of the best-selling book, The Power of Self-Healing, as well as Four Steps for Living a Fabulous Life, and co-author of The Chicken Soup for the Chiropractic Soul and The Well-Adjusted Soul, a frequent guest of radio and television programs. He's been featured many times, in fact, on Dr. Phil. Uh, he's been featured on The Doctors, on Fox News, and numerous syndicated morning shows. He also has his own popular international weekly radio show, Self-Healing with Dr. Fab, on Hay House Radio. Dr. Mancini has given testimony to the White House Commission for Complementary and Alternative Medicine and served on the Texas Governor's Advisory Council on Physical Fitness. He is committed to keeping the Hispanic community informed of healthy habits, as well as all of us. <laughs> but he has also appeared many times on CNN Espanol, Univision, Telemundo, and Mundo Fox. Welcome, Dr. Fab, to Healing with the Masters. I'm so excited to have you. I've been looking forward to this show uh, because I, I got to know you recently and consider you now a, a, not only a colleague but a friend. And part of that is because I, I, there's this amazing heart that you bring to every conversation, this uh, amazing presence. And I'm, I'm just going to warn the audience that be, be prepared to be seen. <laughs> Dr. Fab uh, has this from me, and you might not even know this, Dr. Fab, but this is my recognition, that he brings an energy frequency to the conversation on self-healing. And that self-healing conversation is a presence for you that you can actually receive by listening to this gentle yet powerful wise man. So welcome, Dr. Fab, to Healing with the Masters. Thank you, Jennifer, and I feel the same way about you, just so you know. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> So, you know, you talk a lot about self-healing, and it's a really powerful topic that, that is starting to become a trend, which is exciting. The fact that, that we're even talking about it is a trend. Um, so tell me, from your perspective, what is self-healing? Well, it, <clears throat> it all started with me. I've been in the healthcare uh, industry and profession uh, as a chiropractor for over 25 years. And I still remember when I entered chiropractic uh, in lieu of conventional medicine, because initially I thought I was going to be a neurosurgeon, I was really uh, taken back by the awareness, because really the way you started the show is really all about an awareness, right? We all mm -hmm. need to be reminded of what our source is, that the power really stays within ourselves. And I never forget that the chiropractor that I met the first time just kind of shared with me three things. The first one was that the body, the body is designed to heal itself. And you see, most of us in today, especially as providers, you know, you're going to school, they're teaching you all of these things about science, but they're keeping this secret that the body is the only thing that heals. All of us can be facilitators of that healing, like the way we're doing it in this phone call, but we're really all healers ourselves. The, the, the true healing only happens from inside out. The second thing is that the nervous system was the master system, and it controls and regulates all the cells in the body. And so for many years, I was learning a lot about psychology and theology and philosophy, and then I started recognizing that the brain, right, our thoughts can actually change the way our brain functions. And as our brain functions, it changes, uh, changes, it changes our chemistry, changes our physiology, and we can actually create a new you because all of our cells are constantly regenerating. But if we're not putting the right thoughts into our brains, unfortunately our bodies are regenerating not in the best way possible. And the third thing 
it was that there was a universal intelligence. Most of us call that God, but that intelligence is one within ourselves as innate intelligence. And it's the same intelligence that actually controls the universe that lives within us. It's the intelligence that takes two cells and makes trillions of cells that we call the human body. It's the same intelligence that actually reminds us to breathe. And the same intelligence that heals us when we cut our fingers or we cut our hand and we see the cells coming together and healing naturally without anything that we have to do from the outside in. So that began my journey in understanding that today we have a major challenge, right? Our healthcare system is broken. And I think it's because most of us, most of us have been sold a lie. The lie is that healing comes from outside in, that you have to take this pill in order to heal, that you have to do this surgical procedure. And all I'm saying is, let's go back to the basics. Let's go back to the Hippocrates times, the father of medicine that actually lived in what we call the vitalistic philosophy that our bodies heal from the inside out. Wow. Uh, you know, the the fact that the body is um, really salient and simple points. The body is designed to heal itself. The nervous system is the master system, and it's obviously a point of, of, of that we can focus attention on, and that there's a universal intelligence. Like, you know, this is, it's interesting that you use the example of when we cut our fingers. Uh, it really is quite an amazing and astonishing thing that if we were in a, in a different um, society where fingers didn't automatically um, repair themselves and then suddenly they started doing it, we would say, oh, my God, that's a miracle. Right. <laughs> but somehow we've lost our capacity to see that as a miracle that it is. Um, but you so, know, Jennifer, mm -hmm, the, the thing, please. not to interrupt you, but the thing that really is important in that is that the body is doing the same process inside of us every single moment. That same mm -hmm. healing potential right. that happens when the cells come together and, and heal the cut is the same thing that is happening within us when a cell is actually multiplying itself. And it can multiply itself healthy or it can multiply itself unhealthy, you know, like the example of cancer. So I just want to remind people that imagine if you could just see yourself from within. If you could see all of these reactions taking place, you will never doubt the fact that you were meant to heal from the inside out rather than from the outside in. So what are the things that, that can prevent the body from doing its natural healing intelligence? What, what are the things that, that, cause, that, that can cause you know, cancer cells to overgrowth? Um, and is there anything that we can do from that self-healing perspective? Well, this is really where the magic is, right? I believe our human bodies are actually the greatest miracles that we've ever discovered. Even today, right, 2014, we still have no idea how many things function. And, and we're constantly exploring new ways and evolving the science. Uh, and the science even within itself is evolving. So what I did over the last 30 years, not only by being a provider and a practitioner, but also by observing many patients and by talking and reading and experiencing healing from all over the world, I realized one thing, and that is that our bodies don't really heal only physically, but our bodies are emotional and spiritual just as well. And not only that, I found out that the spiritual and emotional component is actually more important than the physical because I've seen where the emotional component can overrule a physical reaction just by changing the emotional. 
So the message was the fact that I wanted individuals to not necessarily be focused on the symptoms that they have. You know, most of us go to a doctor because we have symptoms. Most of that symptom may be pain. But the pain is only showing up to really remind us or guide us that there may be something else going on that we need to pay attention to. It may be an activity that we're doing. It may be a behavior or a habit. It may be the fact that there's something growing within us that we need to be aware of. But that pain is only there as a friend. You know, I often tell people, if you want to get rid of your pain, stop treating it like an enemy. Pain is a friend that is there only to remind you what you need to do and to guide you as to be able to be healthier. And then the next thing that I realized is the fact that when the pain shows up, it's only in order to help us understand that we need to start thinking differently than the way we're thinking. So, you know, Albert Einstein has a beautiful quote that he says, you can't solve the problems of today with the same level of thinking that created them. So over the last 30 years, I realized that our bodies are physical, emotional, and spiritual, and that our bodies, instead of managing the symptoms, we should be looking at the root cause of the problem. That's what pain is there for, to get us go deeper into what's really causing this pain in my life. And then I want you to start looking at your conditions from a physical, emotional, and spiritual root cause and from a physical, emotional, and spiritual solution. So then I spent the last 30 years evaluating what are the things that really help us be healthy and what are the things that really keep us um, sick, you know, and not well. And on a physical plane, of course, I'm going to give you some that is just as a reminder, but this is what the science is actually telling us, is that food is critical to our well-being because food is the nourishment of ourselves. If we put into our bodies the right type of foods, then our bodies are able to regenerate in a healthy way if we put into our bodies unhealthy foods. But what I did is that I spent all these years researching, and in my book I listed the, the top 25 healing foods that I found. And what I'm introducing is the food not only as a healing agent, right, a healing agent towards whatever condition you're experiencing, but I also introduced it as a preventative agent because I want individuals to recognize that just because you have a genetic predisposition of a condition. Let's say in this case, arthritis, right? Your grandmother had arthritis, your mother had arthritis, and you think you're going to have arthritis. Remember, the new science is called epigenetics. It's telling us that the environment around the cell is what actually dictates how the gene expresses itself. So I tell my patients, if you want to change and stop the cycle within your family of predisposition, all you have to do is change the way you think and change what you do. And if you do that, all of a sudden you can create a new uh, chain for the ones that come after you. So eating is very important. So I'll give you a perfect example. Let's think of an apple, right? Most of us have been taught an apple a day keeps the doctor away. But what most people don't recognize is that an apple, we've known that it's always good for digestion because of its fiber, but an apple is one of the best foods that you can have to prevent strokes and heart attacks. I mean, imagine that. All the people right now that are struggling because they think they're going to have a stroke or a heart attack or they're struggling because in their history there's a stroke or heart attack history, now they can know that if they just eat an apple, an apple throughout the day, that helps prevent it. And those are the kind of things that, that I share. 
Wonderful. Uh, I, I love that that idea of the apple a day is more than uh, just a, a, a poem. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that it's real. It, it's so amazing how some of that stuff uh, that that is part of our everyday uh, you know, uh, vernacular becomes okay. something that's actually real and for a reason. Um, you know, you talk uh, this this notion of food is definitely there, and when you you know, for for those of us who have some weight challenges, the, for those of us who have familial weight challenges, then when you say food, I could feel in the field of the audience this oh, God, we're gonna have freaking food again. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. So that, to me, is the other piece of the equation, which is the emotional. So right. what can we do? I mean, what can we do? We've obviously got some preconditioning um, in our in our gene, in our DNA, and also in our emotional field from how we were raised and the families we were raised with. How can we change our mind about how we um, are, interact with food, and and how, or just how that emotional state can also impact us ease? Well, it's, it's so great that you asked me that question because recently, over the last couple of years, I've been uh, really playing with how meditation can be a wonderful tool to be able to reprogram some of our conscious uh, habits of some of our conscious awareness or some of our conscious beliefs. And what I started playing with is the idea of changing food from a negative to a positive. And the reason that I started doing that is because I was reading a research that came out out of Europe, and it was showing why is it that Americans are so obese. And they were comparing us with other countries and our eating habits. And let's take Italy, for instance. You know, my father is Italian descent, and I'm Italian citizen too. And one of the things that I noticed, I lived in Italy. I went to school in Rome. And one of the things I noticed is that, number one, we drink a lot, right? We drink a lot of wine. We love wine. Number two... We eat dinner at 10 o'clock at night. Number three, we don't eat light dinners like here in the United States, you know. We eat major dinners like pork and beef and, and great rich sauces and pastas and, you know, three to four courses minimum, you know. And you can almost hear the grandma in the background, manja, manja, because if you don't <laughs> eat four or five plates, they're going to give you more food. And then they bring the amazing desserts, right, rich chocolates and sugars and all of these things that we are told that are going to make us obese. So anyways, what they were saying is that food for the Italian culture is a celebration. And you don't start obsessing about that now this is going to make me gain weight. So what I started doing with my patients, I started getting them into a frame that they are going to start changing the way they view food. And no matter what foods they're eating that make them happy, that, that they enjoy, I want them to start thinking of that food as energy. And they're going to start looking at that food, regardless if it's a slice of pizza or a cheeseburger or french fries, I want you to start looking at that as something that's going to actually be healthy for your body. Because as energy, you can actually change, right? Energy can be created or destroyed, but it can be changed. And if you can start looking at your food, from a positive energy rather than a negative energy, instead of beating yourself up, why did I have that slice of pizza? Why did I have this? Why did I have that? And then you're already expecting that your body is going to respond in a way that's going to give you more weight gain. Then that's what happens. You show up in the morning, you, you wait on the scale, and boom, here they are, the extra two pounds that you told yourself the night before you were going to get because you had that 
slice of pizza or fast food or whatever you had. So we can do that through meditation because through meditation you can actually begin to say to yourself every time you eat, after you eat, you just program your mind that the body is going to digest this food. It's going to burn off all the negative stuff that is not healthy for you. It's going to absorb all the nutrients that are within that food, whatever you ate, and it's going to give you what you need in order to be healthy from the inside out. Oh, my gosh. I am so happy that you said that. You just made me so happy <laughs> because it's been something. You know, I read uh, Pam Grout's um, – Pam Grout wrote a book called E Squared, which is um, – she's going to be on it. One of her experiments is the Jenny Craig um, experiment, and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's um, for 48 hours, love everything that comes into your body, and even program it to say this morsel, this Coke, this whatever you're eating, don't changing your, not changing your diet at all, is a celebration. This, actually, she doesn't say that. You said that. I love that part. I would, I'm going to add that. This is a yeah. celebration. I'm going to enjoy this and love this food. And, that, and she actually adds every morsel is actually going to contribute to my weight loss. Um, and, well, you know um, what? You yeah, know, some ahead. of the science behind that, Jennifer, is I don't know if you saw uh, or heard about the study that happened in Japan with Dr. Masuro Emoto. Yes, sure, yes, okay. yes. And, you know, to me that study was very – when that study came out, it just confirmed of, uh, uh, to me that all of a sudden we have to pay attention to our thoughts and the way we talk to ourselves. I call it the inner dialogue. That inner dialogue is what's actually making people sick and keeping them sick, you know, because that inner dialogue is that programmation that for some of us is very difficult to get out of that funk that all of a sudden, you know, um, you can't shake it. So for those of you that have never heard of this study, Dr. Emoto actually looked at water crystals, and he looked at them with high, prof, uh, uh, high microscopes in which he could see the molecular structure of that cell, of those water molecules. And he could actually, uh, he did a study in which he would take the water and then he would talk to it with kind words like love and gentleness and forgiveness and all of that. And the water's molecules will create these amazing shapes of crystals beyond anything we've ever seen in real life. It was just the most beautiful pictures. And then he did the opposite. He started talking to them with anger and hate and resentment, and then they changed into these ugly, ugly molecules. And then we started recognizing that all of us are made up of at least 75% water. So can you imagine what we're doing to ourselves every time that we surround ourselves with negativity, when we have partners and significant others that can't just say a positive thing to us, or when we are in a business environment in which our bosses are always demeaning us and making us feel bad. You know, all of that thing is what's making you who you are today. But the worst of it all is the inner dialogue. We beat ourselves up all the time instead of celebrating us, instead of loving us, instead of appreciating us, because when you do that, that's what facilitates healing the fastest. Well, it's it's really amazing. In fact, um, my friend Mary A. Hall, she actually did an experiment. If you go to uh, facebook.com forward slash Mary A. Hall 11, um, you can check out this experiment. She took rice in the spirit of, of Emoto. She actually did this experiment. She took rice, cooked it at the same amount of time, and then with one she put a smiley face with tape on it, another had a, a frowny face. And for the frowny face one, she said, I hate you, which was hard for her to do because she's loved. And with the, with the smiley face, she said, I love you, I love you. 
And then she did that on and off for about a month. It wasn't consistent. It was every couple of days. Sometimes she missed a couple of days. And then she forgot about it and left it in there for a month later. And you cannot believe the difference between these two rices. One is filled with mold of different colors. It's black in some places. The other one is has a just one tiny little white speck of mold after two months. <laughs> it was amazing to witness this. And it's just the power of our mind in love is so amazing. And I'm feeling the audience now saying, I can't do it. I can't feel that love. I I, I don't believe it. I can't. You know, the, can you feel the can't? So what yes, do you say course. to the people who are in that place of can't? Because uh, you probably question. face this a lot in your practice. Don't I you? face it all the time. And I face it with people calling me on the radio show and the television segments, everything that I do. And I'm going to boil it down to you in a simple, simple phrase. And that is, it's our self-love, our self-worth. That is the answer. Most of us are conditioned to love ourselves based upon what others think of us. And it's really unfortunate. You know, I call it conditional love. And it comes from the moment that we're born. People begin to pay attention to us. If you're surrounded with an environment where there's a lot of people coming to you as a baby, nurture, oh, you're so cute, you're this, you're that, and then you have parents that are loving, etc. But as you get older, then conditions begin to be put on that. And then you start putting your own conditions. I mean, I have two teenager boys, and it's interesting because no matter how advanced they are, I still, I still see how much pressure they put on themselves to succeed, right? How much pressure to do the right things, how much pressure. And, and all of those things, unfortunately, is what keeps us from believing, from believing that we are meant to be happy, that we're meant to be healthy, that we're meant to be wealthy. All of these things are meant to be part of your lives. The only thing that keeps us from attracting it or manifesting it is our own ability to believe that we don't think it's possible for us, right? We see other examples. We've seen, especially in this country, we see examples of people that have big cancer through natural means. People that were broke came to this country with $12 in their packets or $10 in their packets, and now they're multi-multi-millionaires. We've seen examples of every possible area that I can give you and the one thing that was the common denominator is that they believed in themselves enough to say, I am worth it. And that's what we got to say to ourselves. I am worth it. You know, uh, Louis Hay taught me a, a great lesson many years ago. And that was that I wake up every morning, look at myself in the mirror and say, I love you. And she told me, he said, she said many years ago, she said, Fab, the interesting thing is that if you say that to yourself every morning, for many people... It may be the only time they hear that word, I love you, for that day, maybe even that week, maybe even that month. So we need to start with ourselves understanding that we are worth it and that we deserve, that, that life is meant to be lived in abundance. Life is meant to be enjoyed and, and, and treasured and celebrated. But unfortunately, we hold ourselves back all the time. Yeah, and um, uh, it feels like we're getting through. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you talk about in your book is uh, something called the healing triad, the triad of forgiveness, gratitude, and love. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that triad is and, and how our, our audience might apply this to their own lives? Uh, I would love to. You know, one of the things that I started observing, and it started in my undergraduate work when I started taking a lot of psychology classes, 
you know, I took five courses in psychology and trying to understand the mind and how it worked and how it impact our healing process. And then as I started seeing patients, I started recognizing that their physical symptoms many times were not anything to do with anything physical, but it was some kind of stress level that they were responding in a negative way. Or it might have been some kind of anger, or it might have been something that was really holding them back uh, emotionally. So I started investigating what were the three most powerful emotions that help us heal, and here they are. The first one is forgiveness. Because what happens is that all healing happens in the present. In this moment right now, healing happens. But if you're living in the past, unfortunately, you're always going to be holding yourself back from your potential of healing, right? If you're dwelling on the fact that when you were 10 years ago, you were healthy because of this, or you had this, or you had that, then those are the things that keep you from healing instead of right now forgiving those things that hurt you. Right? Many of us, unfortunately, might have grown up in an environment that was not very loving. You know, maybe your parents told you that you would never amount to anything in life. Maybe your teacher, you know, crushed your dreams when you were excited at 10 years old and said, I know what I'm going to be. And they said, you'll never do that. No one in this school, no one in this neighborhood had ever done that. You know, we've never seen anybody do that. And then maybe you got your first job and, and, and all of a sudden instead of getting that promotion, somebody underneath you took the credit, and then they got the promotion, and you were passed on. I want you to know right now that forgiveness is one of the most important emotions for you to release the past. And a simple tip on forgiveness is just to be able to identify the people or the events that hurt you. So let me give you one example of that. I'm going to give you an example on each one of them just so you get the gist of it. So I had a patient of mine that came in, and she says to me, I'm really concerned. I have this amazing man that I've attracted, and I want to marry him. And I said, all my life I've sabotaged every relationship that I've had. So, of course, I asked the person, and I said, well, would you tell me a little bit more about yourself and tell me why do you think that you're doing that? Well, she didn't want to say it initially, but then she broke down started crying. And then she said to me, when I was 15 years old, one night I was sleeping, my father walked into my room, lay next to me, and raped me. My dad got up. He went out of my room. I said, I couldn't sleep all that night. He said, to this day, I will never told anyone that. I never told my mother. My father and I never discussed it. I think it's that I just can't trust men, and I'm afraid I'm going to just sabotage this relationship. So what I did is I had to do a simple exercise. I had to close her eyes. I had to go back to when the last time she saw her father, which was a few years ago when her father was in his deathbed because of cancer. She leaned next to him in the hospital bed. I said, look at his eyes. Tell me what color the eyes. You know, what is he doing? You know, so I said, now you look at in those eyes and you said, Dad, I may not understand why you did what you did, but I want you to know from this moment on that I forgive you. And I don't need to understand why, but I forgive you and I release it. Well, she was able to release that emotion that has kept her. She married a young man. It's been years now. This is almost 20 years ago. And she's doing amazing. And she says, I've never had a negative thought about my father ever since I did that exercise. Forgiveness is how you get free from that emotional jail that we all live in. Forgiveness is the key. It's the key to get out of jail. The second one is gratitude. Oh, go ahead. For, so this notion of forgiveness, boy, it, it's a 
it's it's a bit of a can of worms too, though, right? Because um, forgiveness is not something that you can just claim, as you did in your story. You can't just say, oh, "I forgive them." You actually have to experience something in order to. It's a state of being, right? Right. So, so what she did was she was actually able to transform that energy, as you've been sharing all along. The the Einstein quote. She yeah. she was able to transform that energy into a different form, which was forgiveness. So so I, I'm sure you have patients who str- I mean, I personally struggle with, you know, forgiving my own father, uh, who recently passed. You know, and, and of course, when when they they pass, all of that stuff comes up. So you know, I I do love him, and I you know I have all that energy around that, and I. Uh, I I forgave him years ago, but even so, you know, now I'm up in it again. And I'm sure you've come across patients who who have, like, different levels of this. What what do you say to them? Or me, for that matter. (laughs) Yeah, the main thing to understand is that really it's an issue with you. It's not had anything to do with your father anymore, right? Right, right. It's about some emotional charge. We call it in science memory cells. Uh, most people don't realize that our emotions are stored in, in memory within our cells within the body. And they're, they're throughout the body, in the bone cells, in the, in the muscle cells, in, in the organ cells. And that's why many times all these emotions have been linked to some of the chronic illnesses of today. It's because those cells, unfortunately, are not able to regenerate properly. So they break down, they become abnormal, etc. So the one thing to understand that I would say is this. Whether you're that past or not, it doesn't really matter because it's within you that the issue is. Number mm-hmm. two, it's not a matter of justifying or accepting or being able to even say, you know, I, I, uh, I let it go. It, it doesn't matter what he did or didn't do. What matters is for you, you have to understand that he did the best he could, period. And even if you don't agree within that, that is just what it is. And for you to recognize that that emotion right that emotion can no longer have a hold on you because if you don't release it it's going to show up in other areas of your life and i'll give you an example when i did my first dr phil show you know here he is talking about my book and telling the world how he's been my patient for so many years and what i've done for him and then he said well fab i'm going to bring in a patient and i want you and me to tackle this together now here i am you know i've never done national television at that level and here we are in the number one TV show in America dealing with a very serious issue. This young man, his name was Joe, five years old, he's driving home after church. And uh, a, a drunk girl, young girl, hits their car, kills the father, puts him in a wheelchair since five years old, uh, kills the little sister, and puts the mother in the hospital and him in the hospital. For 40 years, Joe is sharing how he's held this resentment because he wanted that girl to say, I'm sorry. And the girl was never put to justice because she was a minor, so she was just, you know, uh, reprimanded. Uh, She had to do some community service, and then she was very young. She was, I think, 17 years old. And all those years, he says, he sabotaged a lot of his relationships, he sabotaged his life because he was holding on to that resentment. And this is what I said to him on national television because, you know, this is unrehearsed, right? I mean, you never know what's going to come up on national television. And I said to him, Joe, first of all, you have to be grateful that you survived. You're here, right? You're with us. So be grateful for that. And number two, it's not a matter of forgiving her. It's a matter of about forgiving you for living. 
because I think Joe was holding on to the fact that why did he have to leave? Why couldn't he die instead of that? And he had a major breakthrough right there in front of the cameras, and it was beautiful to see that. So to me, my suggestion will be very simple. Love yourself enough to let it go. Love yourself enough to let it go. It has nothing to do with him anymore, you know, because even if he was, even if he was here, it doesn't matter whether he said, I'm sorry, honey, I should have never done this before or or the way that I treated you when you were going through a difficult time. It doesn't matter. What matters is they did the best they could, and now this is your life. Now you have a choice. Are you going to let that continue to be an issue in your life that's going to disrupt other future relationships, or are you going to finally release it you know, in a way that now you can move on and be grateful for the experience that you had that he was very instrumental in bringing you into this world, even if that's the only good thing that you can come up with because look at the impact that you have had in millions of lives, right, by being in this world. And that's what I would say. Uh, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I, and I get it. And I also get that there's layers of all of this. So the layer that I, I released when I was 40 is there's a different layer here. And and you're, and the answer is exactly that. I feel it in my bones. Self-love. It's self-love. Yeah. You're, and and the fact that you know when I moved out of home when I all of us when we moved out when most of us seventeen eighteen nineteen right moved out that's it <laughs> it ended there yeah. <laughs> and here we are thirty forty years later uh, playing with this but you know th- that's also what you just said which is that's part of why I'm here I'm here to play with it uh, you said this on the pre call to me you know yeah. we many of us who are leaders in this industry we go through this amazing stuff so that we can then guide others to go through it. And I know you've had the same experience. Um, You know, I've never met an influential individual Uh that has not been more than anyone else they were teaching. Because (laughs) life doesn't work like that, right? Right. I mean, I've been through some major things in my life, but I know that those things were only there to teach me how to surpass it. And then all I had to do was share that with people and say, listen, I can understand. I know what it feels to lose a loved one. I've been there, right? I lost my father 11 years ago. And it was very difficult for me because it was my first real loss of a significant immediate family member, right? Mm -hmm. And and I had to deal with that, and I had to come to terms of how the physical is, is only an expression. You know, Wayne Dyer taught me 27 years ago that we are only, we're not human beings living a spiritual experience, but we're actually spiritual beings living a human experience. And when many people ask me so many times, you know, why are you so loving and so caring? And Because I only see the spirit in you. Mm-hmm. I don't see the imperfections of human beings. We all have them. I want to see the perfection in you. I don't live in the world of probability. I live in the world of possibilities because that's how I condition myself. And the reason probably that I facilitated so much healing in the world is because Someone has to believe in something greater. You know, was it Napoleon Hills that says that the mind, right, if you can think it, you can probably know that you can make it happen. And and to me, I've always felt that when some of these notions and insights come to me, it's only to remind me, like Socrates, right, when I studied philosophy, I used to love Socrates because by asking questions, you can come up with the answer to what it is that you already knew in the first place. But sometimes we need to be reminded, and sometimes that happens with an experience, sometimes that happens with something that we read, 
like this show right now, right? This 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 talk could be something that is going to remind you of something that you just needed to be reminded. And then all of a sudden, the most important thing to remember is that you're the one doing the healing. We're only here to remind you and facilitate that, but you're the one that is actually doing it. And as part of that, and what you've shared with this already, you have all the resources, the capacities, and the capabilities. So it's not pressure on your shoulders. Okay, God, it's all me. It's a lightning. It's an ignition. You have what it takes, right? Is that the idea? Yes, very much so. I'm going to give you the other two so that way please, we can please, close sorry. that. Thank you. For the healing triad. So the second one is gratitude. And we know that gratitude, the challenge with gratitude is that most of us are living too much into the future. When I have that house, you know, then I'll be happy. When I have that perfect man, then I'll be happy and joyful. Or when I have that corner office in my in my corporate office, then I'll be able to feel good about myself and have a high self-esteem. Or when I have those chimichu shoes, you know, then I can say that I made it. You know, it's not about things. Gratitude is all about appreciating what you do have. You know, the other day I was talking to a young man that was complaining about his car, right? And this young man is still in college, right? Doesn't have any money. And he's complaining about a beat-up car that, that, that he's not taking, that's taken for granted. So I gave him an exercise. I said, listen, why don't you do something for me? Why don't you go and stop at a bus stop next time and ask if any of those people would like to have your car? And because it's obvious that you have never taken the bus or you never had to walk to work because here you are understanding that no matter what car you have, it's still a means of transportation. And that car, that's what its function is. It's not to be looking pretty. It's not to make you feel comfortable. It's not to see how many stations you have in, in, in your radio. It's about to take you from point A to point B. And I told them, I said, when you appreciate that car, like if it was a Rolls Royce right now, you know, or a Bentley or, or, or a Ferrari, I promise you that the universe will give you that much faster than if you're not because when we're not grateful, we're sending a message to the universe that we're not appreciating what we have. So what makes us think that the universe will ever give us more than that when we're not even appreciating that? You know, I often tell people that money is a relationship. So many people want to make more money in life. They want to have more money. And I always say that money is directly proportional to how you relate the relationship you have with it. So if you have a relationship, let's say you make $1,000 a month. If you have a relationship with that $1,000 a month, like if it's something out of this world, you take care of it, you nourish it, you, you, men, you love it, you, take, you, know, you, you do something good with it, then $10,000 a month is only going to make you more of that. $100,000 a month is going to make you more of that. But my father always taught us something growing up, five boys. He said, money will never change you. Money only makes you more of what you already are. So as long as you make sure that you're taking care of your money and you have a good relationship with money and you understand the value of money and what the purpose of money is, at whatever level it is, then you'll always be fine. You'll always be happy. But if you're always thinking that you've got to have more money in order to be happy or in order to attract friends into your life or in order to be able to, to get a good job or to have high self-esteem or to be able to trust people, then that's when we make the mistake. So gratitude is the second one. And the last one, and this is the, my, 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 my all-time favorite, is actually love. There's never been an emotion more powerful in the literature than love. 
I mean, there is so many studies written about how love heals. And in fact, in the 80s, there was a book written called Healers on Healing. And they interviewed some of the top healers in the world, all kinds of practitioners, and they asked them, what were the common denominators in all healing? And the number one answer was love. And I'm talking about an unconditional love. Not a love that you're going to do with condition, but a love similar to what you would have to a brand new baby, that you don't expect anything from it, and no matter whether they have an accident in front of you while you're changing a diaper, no matter if they break your most precious profe- uh, uh, possession in your house because they're, you know, they're kids uh, or they're babies, or they keep you up all night, or you know, or whatever, you're still going to be smiling, you're still going to be doing it, you're not going to be complaining to them, you're not going to be yelling at them, because you know that it's not, they're not able to do anything different. That kind of unconditional love is what I want you to have for yourself, first and foremost. If you can start beginning to treat yourself with that unconditional love, then you'll be able to treat others with the same unconditional love you have for yourself. And I think there's a lot of people out there living um, in, a, in, a, in a world in which they think they're loving other people, but they're not loving themselves, and I've never seen that work. You have to love yourself first before you can actually have the ability to love other people the same way. So begin with you. And, you know, I'm feeling, uh, again, there's there's some folks in the audience that are a little confused about exactly how did we do that. There, that you know, and I'm sure you've come across those people in your practice and, and on the many shows you've been on, that people who really don't have a template for loving themselves. So what do you recommend to them? That's a great question. So it all begins with understanding who you are. So one of the exercises that I give individuals initially is to do like a family history. Most people don't even understand their background, right? Where their great-grandparents came from, what their great-grandparents did, you know, what their grandparents did. Maybe they met their grandparents. But do like a like one of those family trees and be able to like, I did that exercise when I was eight years old and I never forgot how good it made me feel that my ancestors had made great contributions to the world. It made me feel good about myself. So understand there's value in your heritage. And there's always value in your heritage, regardless of what they did or they didn't do. The second thing is to really pay attention to your gifts. All of us have gifts. Some people are wonderful, wonderful at talking. Other people are wonderful at reading. Other people are wonderful with their hands. Other people are great with technology. Other ones are fantastic with math and science. Other ones are better with art and cooking, you know. But regardless of your gifts, appreciate them, notice them, acknowledge them, you know, celebrate them, do them. Because if they're your gift, that means that you are giving something special to be contributing to the world, to fulfill the needs of other people, to bring them joy and happiness by the gifts that you've been given. Um, The third thing is uh, surround yourself with people that love you. Uh, I have found that many times our biggest challenge in loving ourselves is the fact that we are surrounding ourselves with people that don't love us, don't make us feel loving in any way. We're surrounded with people that are actually demeaning us or or saying negative things about us. So make sure that you're surrounding with those individuals that are actually making you feel good about yourself, that any time you're in their presence, you're like, wow, every time around you, I'm around you, I just feel so much better. And then you begin to do that. And the last one I'll give you is do the things you love. Because by doing the things you love, you're actually loving yourself. 
you know, by doing other things for the sake of money, for the sake of fame, for the sake of power, that's always going to be taken away from your loving self. So when you do the things you love, understand that money is a byproduct of service. So when you love a service, right, when you put your love towards a service towards others, the money will always follow. So make sure that you're doing what you love to do because that's one of the greatest, greatest things that you can do to love yourself. Wow. It, <laughs> uh, you you are amazing. It's so cool because you can just na- nail the answer so quickly, and it's very obvious that you have a very specific ways of approaching each of these things through your 30 years um, the notion of the family heritage is is really a cool one, and it's one that I've been playing with a lot lately. So that one really resonated, and I can feel some people saying, you know, my family, fam, I don't want anything to do with my family. And and yet, um, it's not just the family crap that comes into your <laughs> into your right. being; it's the family gifts. So you know, uh, and again, it's it's what you've been talking about all along. Where are you paying attention? What are you observing? And as you observe the gifts in your family tree, you know, the tremendous gifts even of your, your parents, even if they, they did, weren't able to bring them to fruition, they had them. You know them and you can recognize them. Those are in you. I love that piece. It's so beautiful. And then in turn, pay attention to your own gifts. Celebrate them, as you've been saying all along. Surround yourself with people who love us. Now, there's a question that I'm, I'm hearing, which is, okay, uh yeah, I recognize this one. There's and I'm hearing these the folks in our audience say there's no one in in my life who's really who really loves me. And so how can we change that paradigm? And I'm, I'm sure you've coached and seen people who have come from this place of being surrounded by people who don't bring the best out in them and have changed it. So what are some recommendations you can make to us to make a change there? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to give you the advice that I gave my son when he was 5 years old. And he was saying to me, Dad, I don't have any friends, right? He just started going into a new school, and he came home one night and was kind of depressed. And I said, well, honey, let me give you the secret of having a lot of friends. He says, before you can have a friend, you must be a friend first. So it's the same with love. I have found that when you love others, right, there's a natural law that the people cannot do anything but to love you back. Because once somebody's love, remember that most of us as human beings are seeking some kind of acknowledgement and validation, right? People want to know that we're here. You know, when you started the show saying, he sees you, I see you. I see you because I know that each one of you right now that is listening, each one of you matter. Each one of us are coming into this world for a particular purpose, to give a particular contribution. It's up to us to find out what it is. And sometimes we go through journeys in life, right? And, and, and life teaches us that, hey, you know, for these first 10 years you did this. For the second 10 years, I mean, Jennifer, even your own story, right? How you started in one way in corporate America and then, boom, here you are changing the lives of millions of people by bringing awareness and, and, and value and tips and, and content that can give people the opportunity to give themselves permission to be healthy. I mean, it's that simple. Well, my answer will be very simple. The best way to be able to attract people to love you into your life is to love others. And the best way that I have found to love others is to pay attention to what the needs of others are. 
You know, there's some people out there that will never tell you how much they're struggling. Even me as a doctor, right? Many times I have patients that would never tell me they were going through so much. I'll give you one simple example to show you what the power of love is. Rosie, I wrote about her in my book. She came in 350 pounds, right? She called urgently that she needed to be seen that afternoon. And I took her in. I said, Rosie, how can I help you? 27 years of living with fibromyalgia and many other conditions, taking 30 pills a day, you know, had to stop working three years ago, gained all this weight because of the medication, was miserable, only sleeping two hours a night, right, in constant, constant pain. Well, I noticed right away that Rosie was not loving herself, right? It's hard to love yourself when you're in that much pain. But I started loving her. I started seeing in her what I wanted her to see in herself. I started adjusting her very gently because she was in so much pain. I started teaching her how to eat in a way that would nourish her body rather than to destroy her body. I started teaching her meditation. I started teaching her simple little things that she can do every day to make her life feel that it's worth another day. All I wanted her to do is to go day by day. One lesson that I learned, my most painful, painful experience in my life was the death of my older brother at 27 years old. But it also gave me the greatest lesson in my life, and that is since that time, and this happened 24 years ago, I if it's only 24 hours. 24 hours, that's all I have right now. So I taught Rosie how to live in a 24-hour cycle, not to be thinking about two years from now, five years from now, but 24 hours. Well, within six months, her pain was 50% better. Within a year, she was almost completely better. So then she transferred because her husband transferred. She called me five years later. She says, Fab, I just want to call you and thank you. I had, I had gotten an award or something, and she was calling to congratulate me. And I want to thank you one more time. And I said, Rosie, you've already thanked me so much. You've already sent me so many patients. You tell the whole world about me everywhere you go. And I said, no, but Dr. Mancini, what I want to thank you is because what you didn't know is that my husband had told me he was going to divorce me before I went to see you. And now we're happily married again. What I didn't tell you was that my children hated me because I couldn't be the mother that I wanted to be. I couldn't help them with their homework. I couldn't be there for their uh, teacher-parent uh, conferences. I couldn't be there for their sports. But Dr. Mancini, what I wanted to say is thank you for saving my life. What I didn't tell you is that two days before I went into your office, I had bought a gun. And I had decided to kill myself. Thank you for saving my life. Listen, there's many people out there suffering right now to the point of considering suicide. We all have been there. I've been there. I've been struggling one time that I even thought of it for a minute. And I was like, you know, but then it comes back to me right away. I said, well, Fab, that's not the answer. The answer is never letting go and giving up. The answer is always going through the pain so you can get to the lesson. And once you get to that lesson, guess what? You are going to be vibrating and operating at a higher level, which means you're going to be able to impact the lives of other people in a positive way. And that's how I view my pain. I've always viewed my pain as my greatest teacher. And in fact, one time I even said in, a, in an audience, I said, if most of us pray for suffering... There will be no disappointment in this room, right? And everybody said, right, right, because most of us are praying for comfort. We're not praying for suffering, but guess what? Growth only happens primarily through suffering. It doesn't happen through comfort. It happens through suffering. But the suffering is not there to be a punishment. It's only there to actually allow you to discover 
the true potential that you really have as an individual. Yeah, and and uh, and that is love. That that true potential um, is love. Is that I true? believe so. I believe so. I mean, because honestly, if we believe that the universe is love, right? I mean, I I've been studying this subject matter so many years. In fact, one of my early early guys. I don't know if you remember Leo Buscaglia. Sure. Oh God, yeah. Leo I, in the I, early the kindergarten. Yeah, talking about love and giving hugs to everybody. And that was one of my first experiences about the subject matter. But as I got more into the healing process of things and understanding that one of the reasons why most of us sabotage our own health is because we don't love ourselves enough and that we needed to get to the point that we see ourselves not as we are, right, not with our imperfections, not with, I wish I was taller, I wish I was shorter, I wish I had green eyes, I wish I had dark hair, I wish I was this skin color, uh, I wish I was thinner, I wish, you know, none of those things really should be where you're placing your value or your love on. You're a spiritual being. You are the image of the universe. You are created into something so powerful. Just look at the human body. I mean, what else have we ever discovered that has the potential of functioning the way we are? We're just beginning to discover how the brain functions. And look at all the amazing discoveries in how the brain can actually, you know, impact the immune system. I still remember 27, 28 years ago, my professors teaching me that the nervous system and the brain cannot impact my immune system. And now it's all over the science, right? So I want you to understand that you have a much greater potential than you think you have. And no matter what state in your life you're in, there's always can be a greater level of potential if you choose. And this is where the secret is, Jennifer. The power of choice is our greatest strength. We get to choose everything in our lives. We get to choose our thoughts. We get to choose who we hang around with. We get to choose what books to read. We get to choose to be listening to this series or not. We get to choose. And guess what? When you choose wisely, that's what's going to determine the outcome in your life. Because that choice that we have every single day, not only from what we eat, how much movement and exercise we have, who do we surround ourselves with, do we go to complementary and alternative medicine or do we stay with conventional medicine even though it may not be giving us any results. I mean, that's one of the things that I talk about all over the world is, guys, open your mind. There's so much evidence in professions like chiropractic, homeopathy, naturopathy, acupuncture, massage therapy, energy healing. I mean, cases after cases, documented cases that people have beaten what conventional medicine could not help them with. And then here you are, people that are constantly saying, oh, well, there's nothing that can help me. Or, you know, and then you say, well, what else have you tried? Oh, nothing, you know. Uh, and those <laughs> medications just made me so sick. And, and, you know, they, and I just don't understand it. You know, it's just a limited of beliefs. Uh, such a beautiful um, testimony and um, and so inspirational. And we've got a little bit past the time, but I just want to thank you so much, Dr. Fab, for uh, just an amazing show, inspiring, loving, passionate, and incredibly informative uh, with deep wisdom. Um, I know that I feel different, and I can feel our audience really responding to the opportunity for health. 
the opportunity for emotional health, for spiritual self, and for physical health, to turn on that natural healing intelligence in our body in, in powerful new ways with the level of confidence and the power and spirit of love behind it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dr. Fabensini. Thank you for the opportunity. And thanks, everyone, for showing up today for Healing with the Masters. We uh, are so honored and privileged that you've chosen to say yes and join us, even if it's for a little while, on your journey through this life. We love you. We are so privileged to know that you are contributing to every show. Uh, We love hearing from you. We love your comments on Facebook. We love to hear how it's changing you. And, of course, please invite your friends and family. If this is making a difference for you, please invite them. We have a friends and family process, or just send them a link and tell them to join us. And uh, they can always register on the page uh, as well if they're not registered for all the shows. So share, share, share. We love you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Fab. And until next time, to your health. Bye now. And remember, if you'd like to join us for any of our live shows... Just register absolutely free at hwtmpodcast.com. That's H-W-T-M as in Healing with the Masters, podcast.com. Come and join us. Just register for the current live season.